0: Hello, and you're very welcome to A&L Good Buddies' Soundbite series. My name is Vincent Power, and I'm in the firm's EU Competition and Procurement Group, and I've been practicing in the area of Brexit law uh, even before the referendum happened five years ago. So I hope this talk is of interest and of use to you. What have we learned, or indeed relearned, Five years on from the Brexit referendum, what lessons could states and businesses learn from what happened on the 23rd of June 2016 in the United Kingdom and in Gibraltar, when a majority of those who voted, voted to leave the European Union and the European Atomic Energy Community? Well, the lessons are manifold and in a short podcast it's only possible to consider some of them. First, and probably foremost, the need to plan carefully and to plan for every eventuality. The UK took about 12 years from the time of its first application in 1961 to the time that it exceeded in 1973. And during those dozen years it planned and considered all sorts of possibilities. It appears that the Cameron government didn't really plan for the possibility of a leave vote. The European Union did some planning, perhaps not enough, but it did some planning, and it most certainly went into planning mode immediately on that Thursday night, Friday morning, when the result emerged. So the need to plan carefully and to plan for every eventuality. And that's probably a lesson that we need to know now, that all of the debate at the moment and the discussion is really about tinkering with the protocol on Ireland and Northern Ireland or making a change here, there or whatever. It would be useful to now plan for what will be the state of the relationship in five or 10 years time, if either the UK is still outside the European Union or has returned or there's some other form of relationship. So the first lesson really is to plan carefully and plan for every eventuality. The second lesson is take nothing for granted. In some ways, the European Union probably took it for granted that the voters on that wet Thursday, for the most part, throughout the United Kingdom, would simply vote yes because the European Union was good. It was the world's largest internal market, the biggest market to sell goods. There had been a free movement of persons, goods, services, capital payments. Uh, now, for many years, surely it would all work out well. But you have to keep selling the message and the European Union probably missed the opportunity to sell its own message and how useful it was um, to the voters of the United Kingdom who had been there for 43 years. Uh, Unless you were over 50, you probably had no sense of the United Kingdom being being outside of the European Union. And therefore, you need to think carefully. And I think going forward, the European Union has to uh, take nothing for granted and sell itself to its members and its potential members. Thirdly, breaking up is hard to do. Um breaking up uh, any organisation or relationship that has been in existence for many years is difficult to do. Uh, and that's been borne out over the last while. The fourth point, the European Union moves very slowly but very carefully. And it's interesting to see how the European Union, particularly after the Bratislava summit, immediately after the EU referendum, let it up to the UK to move And there's, you know, the phrase in business, first mover advantage, the early bird catches the worm, and so on. There's also the French proverb that the early worm is often eaten by the bird. And what the European Union did was essentially, it said, you tell us what you want to do. And then the European Union reacted. So while the EU moved slowly... Uh, It moved very carefully and deftly, and that's quite important. Fifthly, countries can move even more slowly than the European Union. And the way in which, um, not so much as in the Vatican, the year of the three popes, there was in the context of the United Kingdom, the era of the three prime ministers. Cameron, May, Johnson, to deal with this issue and the need to bring together various factions and groups and to deal with the fictions that were clearly emerging as to what was possible and not possible. The next lesson is that experience pays off. It was very interesting to contrast the likes of Jean-Claude Juncker uh, on the EU side and some of the ministers which uh, had been um, fielded on the United Kingdom side. If you think about Jean-Claude Juncker, um, he had attended his first European Union Council meeting when Boris Johnson was still at university. If you think about somebody like Michel Barnier, he had more ministerial jobs in France than Boris Johnson had in his entire career. If you think about someone like Theresa May, while she had been Home Secretary for a very long time, the longest in modern history, her job as Home Secretary, particularly as the United Kingdom has opted out, opted out of so many of the common foreign security, home affairs, justice and other related issues meant that she had the least contact uh, with the European Union. So when you think about Tusk, uh, Juncker, Um, you think of uh, Barnier and others they had people who were very experienced with dealing with negotiations dealing with the European Union machinery and they had understood Article 50 of the Treaty on on the European Union the level of knowledge on the part of some was very clear by the constant reference to Article 50 of the Lisbon Treaty if you look at the Lisbon Treaty it doesn't even have 50 articles Um, it was Article 50 of the treaty and the European Union as inserted by the Lisbon Treaty. Um, And that just was a sort of a little canary in the coal mine as to how much knowledge there was. And preparation pays off. Another lesson which emerged probably more towards the end of the five years is my word is my bond is extremely important. And the attempt by the Johnson government on a number of occasions to depart from what they had actually signed meant that the credibility was damaged and it was much more difficult then to reach agreement um, going forward. Another lesson but it's not new. um, Famously Margaret Thatcher was asked uh, why she opposed the Maastricht Treaty. She explained it in great detail and then was asked had she ever read the Maastricht Treaty and she said no but I know what's in it. And one of the lessons of the last five years is that some politicians clearly sign up to agreements without reading them or perhaps reading them, but not understanding them. In terms of strengthening and weakening various entities, Brexit has actually weakened the UK's union. uh, When you see the relationship now between Britain and Northern Ireland, where about a fifth of all of the EU's checks Uh, at borders. Uh, About a fifth, one in five, of all the checks across the entire uh, European Union are now between Britain and Northern Ireland. And when one thinks of the reaction perhaps in Scotland um, as well, which as we know a majority of the Scottish voters voted to remain. But conversely, I think Brexit has strengthened the EU's union. Um, there was an initial misstep when the original six founding members states met uh, on the Saturday morning in Berlin, uh, and that was uh, an unfortunate move because it drew a divide between the original six uh, and the other twenty one, which were exceeded, uh, which had exceeded to the European Union, but were staying. Uh, and that's uh, an interesting move that it has actually strengthened rather than weakened the EU. It has meant uh, Brexit the last five years has meant that there's now more red tape in the United Kingdom and more multiple regimes. One need only think of state aid and state subsidies. One need only think of competition um, and merger control. So that across the United Kingdom, instead of having one system, you now have two and in some cases three. The trend towards liberalisation, typified by the 1992 programme, is difficult to unwind and difficult to undo, and that's important. Now... There are some advantages um, that uh, arise from not being part of a large group and perhaps the United Kingdom's ability to uh, approve the likes of uh, vaccines uh, is helpful uh, and that should be uh, a lesson which the EU should take on board if that was an issue. Um, The key point is that there should be more advantages to being in the EU than outside. Penultimately, I would say that one of the lessons is it's a lot easier to do deals with people in a hurry. The UK was willing um, and sometimes overwilling to accept deals which were last minute and not necessarily in its favour because they needed to do a deal in a hurry. And that's an important point to bear in mind. As Michel Barnier said many times, the clock is ticking and promises were made and dates were set uh, and so on. And there wasn't really a clear thinking through of the implications. So when Theresa May said that the United Kingdom would leave both the internal market and the customs union, I'm not entirely sure that all of the consequences of that were thought through. And that leads probably to the last uh, lesson, which I want to enumerate in this long list, and apologies for such a long list, Um, and that is, be careful of the question you ask. The question that was asked was, do you want to remain or do you want to leave? And referendum commissions and referendum bodies worldwide have learned that the question is extremely important. When you think about that question, remain was very clear. You knew what it was. You knew that the European Union uh, had a certain relationship with the United Kingdom. And if you voted remain, then that was the status quo. That was to continue as it was. Leave, however, was probably the wrong word. It didn't say what you were leaving to. So put five people in a room. You'll get at least five different destinations. Would they leave to something which was very similar, just a little bit of a change? Would they leave to a total, complete departure? Would it be to the Norway option, as people kept calling it? Would it be to the Canadian option? Would it be to the Turkish or the um, Albanian options, which would have been much better in some ways for the United Kingdom, but. Albania and Turkey didn't sound as attractive as Canada, New Zealand, Australia um, or Norway, um, all sort of well-known holiday destinations and people and relationships between the United Kingdom and those destinations. So the question was extremely important. And if I might be permitted to add a further and final lesson, it is that we should now look up from the ground, look up from the detail of what needs to be done today and tomorrow in regard to the protocol and tease out what will the relationship be like in five and ten years time. The reason being that the longer the United Kingdom remains outside the European Union, the more difficult it will ever be for it to come back. There is provision under Article 49 of the Treaty on the European Union for it to return But it is going to be very difficult. And the longer outside, the more difficult it will be to come back. It may or may not ever want to come back. The European Union may not want it back. But at least that possibility needs to be canvassed, just as all of the permutations and relationships need to be canvassed. The number of relationships that there have been so far, the withdrawal agreement and the trading cooperation agreement, will be minuscular compared to the manifold range of agreements that are going to have to be concluded over the many years to come. This is really um, quite uh, complicated and complex and it has only just begun. Thank you.